Looking at Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. If you have your pew Bible there in front of you, it's on page 830, or it's on page 8 of your worship guide. Hear God's word this morning. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Well, during this Advent season, we have been looking at this theme of waiting. And as we said, children, Advent means coming. And so specifically, we've been looking at waiting and what it means to wait between the Advents of Christ's first coming and His second coming. And we said that while the idea of waiting is difficult for us as impatient people, waiting actually is part of what it means to trust God by faith until the day He sends His Son back to usher in the new heavens and the new earth. Last week we studied the sudden nature of Christ's return and the importance of being watchful while we await for Him to come again. And this morning we're going to look at that similar theme in a different, little different vein here from Matthew chapter 25. So as we come to the Lord's uh, word this morning, let's uh, pray and ask His blessing on our time. Would you pray with me one more time? The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. It is on that promise that we come, Lord Jesus, this morning to your word. Your word that is sufficient, that is true. And it is sufficient enough to speak into every circumstance and situation that we are facing in our lives now that you have ordained for us. So would you come now, by your Spirit's power, illumine our hearts that we may see and receive this truth, and that we might live differently in light of it, out of the power and the strength of this gospel that is life-changing and life-transforming. Lord, if you would do this, we would give you the praise and give you the honor and the glory. pray this in Christ's matchless name. Amen. Well, most of you know that we have been getting ready to move, and part of the process of moving means selling our home. And so we spent about a month purging our house of over nine years of stuff that we've accumulated, a lot of which was trash, uh, other things that were just unnecessary, and we got rid of a lot of clutter. We cleaned the house from top to bottom to get it ready to show. And Jessica and I remarked on one, more than one occasion to each other, man, this would be nice to live like this every day without clutter in a clean home when you know where everything is. Well, if you've ever sold a home, you know that you have to be ready at a moment's notice to show the house to potential buyers. 
And so that during the week of the first week we were putting our house on the market, we were constantly making sure that everything was ready, everything was prepared and nice and tidy and clean for someone to come look at it. And so it took a lot of diligence, a lot of work on our part with four kids and a dog. So each morning we got ready, we put everything in its place, we got prepared and we waited. We waited to get that text that told us when the showing was going to be that day. Well, in this parable here in Matthew 25, which is really a continuation of Matthew 24, of the text we looked at last week, we're going to learn of the spiritual preparation, the preparation of our hearts that is essential now because there's coming a time when there will be no more time to prepare for the bridegroom to return. And the door will be shut forever, as we just read. Now, through this story that Jesus gives regarding these ten virgins, these ten bridesmaids, we're going to explore the importance of preparedness while we wait through three points. First, we're going to examine the contrast that exists between these bridesmaids. Then next, we're going to look at the call to be alert and remain watchful while we wait. And then lastly, we're going to look at the consequence of unpreparedness. So the contrast, the call, and the consequence. Now in this parable, Jesus is speaking these words to his disciples, and he's urging them to be ready because he's leaving soon, and he's going to come again, and he's urging them to be ready for that day when he returns. But this parable also applies to us today as believers in Christ's church. For we too are called to be preparing and to be ready for the day that he comes back. And in verse 1, we're told that the ten bridesmaids all took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, in our day, we know that weddings are a big deal. People spend thousands and thousands of dollars on weddings. But equally as important, uh, in the Jewish culture of this day, weddings were very important as well. They would sometimes last up to seven days. And so, the custom was for the bridegroom to leave his house and come to the home of his bride for the wedding ceremony. And so, what the bridesmaid's role was, is they were to go out as the bridegroom was off a distance And to escort him back, this was usually done a lot of times at night, so they went with their torches to light the pathway back to the bride's home. Now, as we look at these bridesmaids, we see a lot of similarities between these ten bridesmaids. They all intend to go and meet the bridegroom and escort him back to the wedding feast. They all had their torches and they were ready to go out and come back with him. They were ready to wait for him, even though they knew he was coming that night. They didn't know when he was going to arrive. But they were waiting. They were all excited about being part of this wedding celebration. And then as we'll read in just a moment and see, they, lastly, they all fell asleep in their exhaustion as they waited for the bridegroom to arrive. So on the surface, there seems to be no major distinctions among these bridesmaids. But then if we look at verse 2, we see that there actually is two dividing contrasting categories that these bridesmaids fit into. Look at what verse 2 says. Five of the bridesmaids were foolish, and five of them were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And so we see that five of these bridesmaids were prepared. They brought what was necessary to carry out their task. But five other of the bridesmaids were unprepared for this big event that they wanted to be a part of, but yet did not come prepared. And so this story reveals the contrast that exists between those who are part of Christ's visible church. All All who are part of Christ's visible church profess the name and claim the benefits of Jesus Christ, 
But we see in Scripture that some are genuine believers while others are not. Matthew 13, the parable of the soils or the tares. See that some are genuine believers. Others are using Christ for their own purposes and their own gain. Some of those who are genuinely united by a true and dependent faith, those are the ones who are ready for Christ's return. While the others who do not possess a genuine faith are unprepared, just like these five foolish bridesmaids. Now, living in the Bible Belt as we do, we can often have the tendency to think that most everyone's a Christian. Right? People will tell you where they attend church. They'll tell you the day that they were baptized. Many of them can speak the Christian lingo. Right? And they, for the most part, put on a smile and we help one another out, right? And on the surface, it can look like believers and non-believers, Christians and non-Christians, act and look very similar. But Jesus penetrates beneath the surface here to go to the heart. Because as Jeremiah 17 tells us, God says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. God knows our thoughts and he knows the motives of our hearts. And so the foolishness of the five of these bridesmaids was in their unpreparedness to bring the oil with them for their torches. These bridesmaids were simply careless. They were short-sighted. They didn't plan ahead. Now think about this, as we just, I just mentioned a minute ago. Their role was simply to go out and escort the bridegroom back to the bride's house for the wedding feast. All they were responsible for was to bring two things. Their torch and their flask of oil to replenish. Well, we can see here they forget. And it kind of seems a little silly, really, and absurd that they would forget the essential ingredient in order for them to carry out this responsibility. In essence, they thought that they could just show up and bring their torches, and that was sufficient. That was all they needed. Then when you contrast these bridesmaids with the other five, that we read about in verse 4, Jesus says, But the wise bridesmaids took their flasks of oil with their lamps. So these wise bridesmaids, they were ready. They were prepared. They brought sufficient oil because what they would do is they had these strips of rags that they would dip in the oil and pour oil on them so that they could light. And they had to constantly continuing to be giving oil to that so that it wouldn't burn out. And so these wise bridesmaids were ready. So the difference between these two groups of bridesmaids really reveals a deeper heart-level issue that Jesus is going to. The foolish ones believe that their, their outward participation, that that was enough, that was sufficient. And they probably polished their lamps, and they probably looked really nice on the outside. But they were useless because they had no oil to give off light. But yet the wise bridesmaids, they had genuine faith and believed in their hearts in the bridegroom, and that he was coming. And this was displayed in their preparedness for his arrival. And so externally, all the bridesmaids looked the same, but internally they were very different. When we were living over in China, uh, the friend of ours came over to visit, and when he was leaving, he was going to be overnighting in Beijing and flying back to the States. And so he thought he would go to the market. They have a huge market there where you can buy just about anything. And so he went to the market, And he saw this vendor that was selling what was at the time the brand new Apple iPod. And so he, this vendor took the paper, the plastic off of the box, opened the box, 
and gave it to my friend and let him look at it and hold it and play with it and even let him listen to a song on it. My friend was ecstatic because it was a fraction of the cost of what it would be here in the States. And so he bought the iPod and he comes home and he plugs it into his computer only to realize that it was a fake. The iPod held one song. Now, at first, it appeared and it functioned just like the real thing. But with time, it proved itself to be a useless fake. See, this parable beckons us to self-examination. We have to ask ourselves if we are trusting by faith in the person and work in Jesus Christ alone, or are we trusting in our goodness, our works, or a nominal religiosity, or affection, some serendipitous emotions or sentiments that we have about God? Are we banking our eternal destiny on an empty prayer that we may have prayed years ago, but yet no life change or fruit has been born from our lives? Are we actively pursuing and resting in Jesus Christ for our salvation? And does the way that we live our daily lives show forth a preparedness to see and meet our bridegroom when he comes back? Are we ready and anticipating standing before him when he returns? Or are we like these foolish bridesmaids who wanted to participate in the wedding celebration, but they came unprepared with the, the one essential ingredient they needed, faith in the bridegroom himself? Paul says in Ephesians 2.8, he says, For by grace you have been saved. How? Through faith in Jesus Christ. See, God only has two categories. The foolish, those who are trusting in their own works and their own merits, but who will ultimately be separated for all eternity from Him. And then the wise, those who are trusting by faith in the work of another, Jesus Christ, and who will be united to Him and who will be welcomed into the wedding celebration with the bridegroom. Which category you find yourself in this morning? Noticed next in verses 5 through 10, this call to remain alert while we wait for Christ's return. Now with all this excitement, all this waiting, this anticipation for the bridegroom to come, they get tired and they all fall asleep. Maybe experience something similar to this if you've been to a surprise party and you're waiting for the one you're supposed to surprise to come and they delay, and you hear a sound, you think it's them, and you realize, no, it's not them. And you, every sound you hear, you think they're coming, and then you just kind of get tired. It's kind of what was going on here. So they fall asleep, but at midnight, we read in verse 6 that someone cries out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And we're told that all, seven of the, I mean, all ten of the bridesmaids rise up. They get their lamps ready to go out and meet the bridegroom. He's finally here. But five of them realize this, that torches are not going to last very long. They don't have oil for them. So they petition the other five and they ask them, they say, can you give us some of your oil for our lamps are going to go out? But the wise answer them saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Now remember, it's at midnight when this is happening. It's probably not a whole lot open. Now initially we want to say, well, why didn't they share their oil with the ones who didn't have any? Well, parents, this story is not about sharing. There are plenty of other stories in the Bible to teach your kids about sharing. That's not what this story is about. This story is about the outworkings of true and genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the, faith, the uh, foolish bridesmaids, they were asking the impossible 
of the wise bridesmaids. They wanted them to share their faith with them. Students, let me talk to you for just a moment. Having grown up in the church is a tremendous blessing and privilege, and I hope that you see it as such. God has privileged you with being able to hear the gospel espoused from this pulpit each week and from your Sunday school teachers. Some of you even go to a Christian school where you hear it in school. And mom and dad have been pointing you to Jesus your entire life. So you have a lot of knowledge, you have a lot of understanding of who Christ is, what he has done on the cross for his children. But the temptation may be, as you think, well, mom and dad are professing believers. And I've been raised in a Christian home, and so I'm okay, and I'm in good standing with a holy God. Now, there's some things that it's okay to borrow. Like, it's okay to borrow a pencil from your classmate. It's okay to borrow money from a friend or even borrow sugar from a neighbor. But there are other things that are not okay to borrow. For example, you can't borrow an education. You can't have someone study for your test, and then you go take the test and think that that's going to benefit you. Well, likewise, you can't live your life through someone else's faith. We're all held accountable to how we live our own lives. And so God's saving grace in mom and dad's faith is not transferable to you. You have to recognize the depth of your own sin and receive and rest upon Christ who bore your wrath for all of your grievous sins. Mom and dad and teachers and pastors, we can point you to Christ, but you have to individually humble yourselves and rely upon the Spirit to trust and rest and receive upon Christ in the gospel. Now, I know you may be thinking, okay, I get that, I understand that, and I'm going to do that, but not right now. There's a lot of things that I want to experience and enjoy before I make that decision, but I will do it. Well, as these five foolish bridesmaids found out, later is not a good time to wait for. Now is the time. Don't put off coming to faith in Christ submitting your life before him, admitting your need for a savior. For as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off to later. Verse 13 tells us, watch therefore, Jesus says, for you, now, you know neither the day nor the hour when he will return. See, because we don't know when Christ will return, we have to remain alert and watchful. I speak to those who have put their faith in Christ and trusting in Him, there's this equal temptation for us to become complacent and distracted as we put our hope and chase other things other than Christ. God was very kind and gracious in allowing us to have a contract on our house within the first week we put it on the market. But because we had a contract on our house, you know what happened at our home? Things went back to just like they were before we put it on the market. Toys began to be thrown all over the floor and clothes began to pile up and we just didn't care as much about having the house prepared. After making a profession of faith, it can be easy to become distracted by the things of this world. Instead of making daily preparation for the impending arrival of King Jesus, we find ourselves engaged in a whole host of other worldly pleasures and pursuits. And just like non-believers, we as Christians often fall prey to and become consumed with things like materialism, fortune, 
career ambitions, children's success, our hobbies, financial security, contentment, comfort, the praise of our peers, and a whole host of other things. All these things are short-sighted. And it calls us to neglect the most important thing that you and I were created for. To hear the announcement and the arrival of the bridegroom. See, we're not to be prepared just in coming on Sunday mornings or when we feel like it. We're to be prepared at all times and in every aspect of our lives. Matthew 24 says this, it says, Be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you least expect. As we saw two weeks ago from 2 Peter 3, it says, But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by Him without spot, without blemish, and at peace. See, as we wait for the arrival of our Savior, you and I have a choice each and every day of our lives. We have a choice to live with a kingdom-centered mentality that is rooted and signified by godly wisdom or to live with a self-serving mentality that is ultimately rooted in our frail, human, foolish wisdom. See, God desires that we stand ready and not put off the spiritual matters while we chase the things of this world. Now, this idea of waiting, if we want to kind of define what he means here in waiting, it doesn't mean to sit on our hands and do nothing and twiddle our thumbs until Jesus comes back. That's not what he's after. It means that we're to be alert, alert to Christ and alert to the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives each day. Christ's return should be on our minds and on our hearts continually. Not that we stop everything, but that everything we do is impacted by his return. And know that this preparation, it will include things like rest. Rest is a good thing that God has gifted to us. As evidenced by all of these bridesmaids resting and falling asleep. And our being watchful and alert will include also carrying out the daily responsibilities in the calling and vocation where God has placed us. To do our work, to do it well to the glory of God. As we saw this last week, blessed is the servant whom his master finds doing his work when he comes. But in all these things that we are called to do, we're to remain vigilant and watchful, believing by faith that the bridegroom is coming again until the very end, until that day that he actually arrives. Okay, so practically, what should our preparation and our waiting look like? Paul tells us in Colossians 3, he says we're to set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are below. So we're to have our heart and our affection set on the things of God and His kingdom, not busying ourselves with trying to build our own little kingdoms here while we wait. And to set our minds on Christ is not something that's forced, but it's something that the Spirit deepens in us as we realize that I am a helpless sinner when I see the wickedness of my own heart but I see what Christ, what God has done through Christ to expend His mercy and His grace upon me, an undeserving sinner. So I deepen my thoughts about that in gratitude and thankfulness for what Christ has done for me. 
and in living for Christ's kingdom, it includes an active study and a searching of the scriptures. If we're to thank God's thoughts after him, the only way we can thank God's thoughts after him is if we're getting to know him. And the way we get to know him is by utilizing what he has given to us, which is his word. We're to find ourselves continually communing in the scriptures, learning of who he is, of his character, of what he's called us to be and do. We can't do this apart from communing with him through prayer and in his word. And if we aren't thinking about our Savior and his kingdom often during our day, we have to evaluate what are those things that are consuming our minds. For me, I know that my thoughts often go to how I can make my life more comfortable and easier. Or my thoughts go to, in those moments of being around others, how are other people perceiving me? Am I winning their favor? These are thoughts that are set on the things of this earth. These are self-serving. Where do your thoughts go in idle time? What consumes your thinking throughout your day? These things, whatever they may be, these are other loves that take our focus off of Christ. And many times these things can be good things, but these things cannot satisfy. And they are definitely not returning to rescue us and redeem us like our Savior has promised He is going to do. We have to ask God, we have to repent and come before Him and ask Him to reorient our hearts, reorient our minds back upon His kingdom purposes and upon Himself. Earlier in Matthew 6, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Here again, this is the choice we make. Are we going to build God's kingdom and further it while we wait for his return? Or are we going to consume ourselves with the things that we want to be about that are self-serving? In our waiting, are we actively pursuing Christ so that we might become to look more like him? Are we more and more exhibiting the, the kingdom qualities of his disciples? Meekness, humility, self-denial, Unconditional love. Are our lives more more by self-protection and self-serving? One example that we can evaluate this question by is thinking about who do we associate ourselves with? Who do we spend our time with? Do we just spend our time with people that look just like us because it's comfortable? Even though the scriptures tell us that when Christ returns, we're going to be around the throne from people from every walk of life, every tribe, tongue, and nation. Are we preparing for that day right now by those that we associate with? Or is that too hard to think about because it's uncomfortable? Maybe called called to sacrifice. Maybe called to give up things. Are we seeking the wisdom of God in Christ and through His Scriptures and through the power of His Holy Spirit so that everything that we do, every decision we make, who we associate with, and even the words that we speak are evaluated through the kingdom lens of His Word and not according to the self-preserving, self-serving wisdom of our own folly. We're to weigh all things, big and small, against the truth of God's Word. Well, in verse 10, our story, Jesus tells us that while the foolish bridesmaids go out to buy oil for their lamps, the bridegroom comes. 
And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And then it says the door was shut. See, the ones that Jesus welcomed into the wedding feast were not the ones who necessarily had the most polished lamps that looked the best on the outside like they had it all together. It was those who were wise, those who were ready, and those who were prepared. See, true faith is evidenced in godly wisdom. And godly wisdom comes from being joined and united to Jesus Christ. So we can look at this story as an outsider and go, it just seems silly. It doesn't seem realistic that they would have a job and then forget the one main thing that they needed to remember in order to carry out that job. Well, the reason why it didn't occur to these five foolish bridesmaids that they needed to bring this and be prepared was because they didn't have godly wisdom. Because they weren't joined to the bridegroom. If we are united to Christ, we are given the mind of Christ, Paul says in second, or excuse me, in Philippians 2. These five wise bridesmaids, they were privileged to join the wedding feast, not because they were special or smarter in and of themselves. It's because they were united to the bridegroom and they were supplied the wisdom in the right time in order to remain watchful and prepared when he arrived. These bridesmaids wanted so badly to be a part of this wedding that they didn't neglect what was necessary. Faithfulness and watchfulness and being prepared. They wisely prepared ahead of time for this uncertain timing of of the bridegroom's coming while the foolish were off doing what was wise in their own eyes. Anglican Bishop J.C. Ryle said, in regards to our pursuit of holiness and our growing in grace while we await for Christ to return and our sanctifying in our lives and this process that continues until the bridegroom returns, he says three words should mark our motivation for how we live our lives. Watch, pray, and fight. Watch, pray, and fight, he says. In other words, we're to watch diligently, remaining alert, because we don't know the day and time when he's going to return. And we are to pray for the Spirit and his wisdom to help us remain dependent upon him and faithful to him in our preparation while we wait. And we are to fight like mad in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we are not tempted and veer away being allured by other things of this world. James says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. See, the wise bridesmaids, they knew the bridegroom, and thus they knew the necessity of doing the hard work and carrying their flask of oil while they waited. They were willing to sacrifice their comfort and their own agendas because they were not willing to sacrifice being with the bridegroom. They realized the weightiness and the reality of living now for the kingdom to come. So that's the question we have to ask ourselves this morning. Do we see the weightiness of preparing now, busying ourselves with the things of his kingdom knowing that whatever he calls us to forego or sacrifice will pale in comparison to the day that we stand before him, gloriously robed in the righteous robes, experiencing forevermore his presence, unhindered by sin or anything else that can entangle us. Lastly, very briefly, notice the eternal consequence of being unprepared 
The last three verses here, 11 through 13. So after the foolish bridesmaids come back from finding oil, they see that celebration's already begun, and what do they do? They want in. And so they go and they plead with the bridegroom, let us into the wedding feast. Look at how Jesus responds in verse 12. He responds to their plea with these words, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. I do not know you. If we're not joined to the Savior, then we're eternally separated from Him. These bridesmaids all profess faith in the Lord. Yet five of them found themselves unprepared and on the outside, not given a second chance. Does this not sound reminiscent of Matthew 7? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. See, Jesus, on that day when he returns, will respond to many who banked on a prayer that they prayed decades ago, but was empty. Or those who attended church regularly. Or those who even sat on church committees. Or even gave large sums of money to good causes but yet never submitted themselves to the Lord Jesus. He will say to you, I do not know you. Not that he doesn't recognize you, he created you, but he's saying, I do not know you in an intimate relationship because you're not one of my children. Jesus says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. If you truly know him, you'll be ready and prepared when he comes. Are you ready? Are you preparing yourself each and every day that you have left until the bridegroom returns? Don't be among the foolish who know all the right spiritual answers or maybe even hold up their polished lamps for all to see, but yet are completely empty and give off no light. Because he'll say to the foolish, away from me, I never knew you. But thankfully, Thankfully, God, in his mercy, he did the unthinkable 2,000 years ago. He sent forth his son, born as a baby in a manger, so that we wouldn't have to hear those words. And that child grew to be a man who lived and walked in perfection, upholding the law of his father, completing the mission his father had given him, dying on the cross for his people, and raising from the dead so that he could wed himself to his bride, the church. So if your faith is in the Lord Jesus this morning, he invites his beloved children to come and dine with him on that day. He set the table, and at great cost and expense to himself, he has reserved your spot. So make the preparations to be ready when that announcement is made and the trumpet is sound when he returns. Remain alert as you fight knowing that you've been given every resource and every tool that you need to persevere and remain watchful until he returns. That's what godly wisdom does, is acknowledges that in and of myself, I have no energy and strength to sustain myself until he returns, and so therefore I must use and rely upon his wisdom and his resources to do so. And as we use the generous supply of his wisdom and his resources we are enabled to fight and able to remain watchful. For as he says in Revelation 22, Behold, I am coming soon. 
bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done because I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and the beginning and the end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us for often being more passionate in our impatience than we are to worship and give you the glory that you are due. Forgive us for busying ourselves with things of this world that will not supply hope, will not satisfy, and that are fleeting. But would you supply us with your wisdom? You tell us that if we ask by faith, you will give an abundant measure. And so we ask that you would pour your wisdom upon us, that we would watch, that we would pray with dependence, and that we would fight in the power of your Spirit to remain watchful, carrying out the tasks and the duties that you have given to us to further your kingdom purposes, not our own, until that glorious day that the work is finished and you return and we see you face to face. We will stand forever with you and eat at the wedding feast. Lord, come, come quickly. Give us patience as we wait. We pray this in Christ's matchless name. Amen.